You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, I don't see uh, Josh, but we're going to get started. So this is Fundamentals, and we're going to try to do what we can in terms of learning uh, in a very positive and strong way. Uh, today is the art set of my father. It's 20 years since he passed away. And I want to dedicate this learning uh, Normally, today would have been a day if, uh, on a yurt site where you would be going to shul and giving a tikkun, being davening b'tzibur, and saying yeshmei rabba, having people say yeshmei rabba to your kaddish. Uh, that's not happening, but hopefully we will have some people responding here and in terms of the Torah that we're learning. My father was a very uh, intense learner. Is a person who um, worked during the week but spent all Shabbos <laughs> glued to a book, and it was very difficult to actually get his attention because he was learning the whole time. Um, and uh, I had the schools to learn with wow. him. Yeah, well, I had the schools to learn. He's a European man. I had the schools to learn with him on Shabbos. Uh, he was very quick, and um, he wasn't a professional teacher, so it wasn't easy for me to learn with him. But eventually, we were able to find this, the text that we were able to learn together. So it should be, uh, um, t- today's learning should be a schluss for him and for all of us, really. Uh, Mayor Ben Siam Ben Rev Yisrael Yeshaya. So, let's take a look at, uh, Dustin, you can, you, you can, can you see? I mean, yeah, Henry, is that you? Henoch, is that you? Good. Okay. Whoever's, yes. Yes, good. So I have the Gemara here open in front of us. Um, We'll, we'll take it from where we were talking about yesterday. And yesterday we were talking about the, uh, the, uh, how the sugya developed, the Haseba sugya developed. Um, and if, if you are looking at the text in front of you, uh, line 16 is when it started from the top, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22, and we were reviewing basically line 22. Let's start from there again. Uh, There's two opposite ways. This of- is, a, uh, this is, a, this is, a, uh, uh, I don't, I can't find the, 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 uh, the Pesach. Yeah, you Pesach. sent it today or yesterday? Um, I sent Pesach. it to- yeah, Psochim. I sent it two days ago. It's Psochim Daf Kufches. So, uh, oh, okay. So it's, uh, if you have right. Psochim Daf Kufches, uh, you'll see it's, uh, the 22nd line. Uh, the idea okay. again, the idea was Amri Lehaigisa, Amri Lehaigisa. And again, it's up to you. I could put on the screen the line by line if that's something people would rather, uh, I would do. I could put the line by line up. Uh, you know what? We'll switch back to it in a, in a little bit. First, I, I want—I just want you to get a little bit of sense of 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 of, of the Talmud page itself, and then we can uh, take a look at the line by line. So again, if you have a chance to print it out, or if you can use your smartphone or whatever it is, uh, I know you, you have to multitask. You have to multitask uh, a little bit as far as this goes. So let's take a look again. Amri lahigisa, amri lahigisa. There are some that say, Amrila, there are some that say, Lahaigisa. <laughs> they take one side. The Amrilagisa, and some take the other side. And this is the argument we, we talked about two days ago. 
what is the two sides? The two sides are, we know that the four cups are not one monolithic idea. There's actually, there's two stages, the first two and the second two. Which ones are more appropriate to have that physical body language bonded with imbibing the drink? The physical body language of being free and aristocratic, as, as we said. So, Amri Lehi Gisa, and again, this if, if line 16 is where we started on the page, that is 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. The first two cups is where languorously uh, enjoyment mode needs to be obvious on your body. Now, that's a key Gemara word. And you can see I'm, 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 I'm going over it on the cursor. Hey Shin Tafalaf Dehashta. I hope you can see it. Uh, what I'm doing here. Dehashta, who to come Meschavelacherus. Hashta is actually one of the words we say in Halachmania. Right? Hashata Hocha. That's what Hashta is. It's Aramaic. This hour, this moment. Hashta. That's what it means. Hashata. This moment. Shaw is an hour in Hebrew. So. Hashta is a compound word. Hashata, this moment. This moment, meaning the moment that you start Kiddush, the moment you're sitting down, as you, you're getting your, your, your story ready, you, you know Avodah Hayinu is right on the horizon, you're about to speak about being slaves and what we were. That is the moment, the Komaschala Chairus, that Chairus is beginning, happening, Despite what the words you're saying, you know it's a Chayra story. As I mentioned two days ago, we talked about, um, you know, watching Rudy over and over again, uh, whatever uh, uplifting film. You know that the, the Chayrus, this is where the Chayrus is starting. Because we know what the ending is. The ending is going to be Chayrus, but you feel the Chayrus only, as we said two days ago, through the pain. And therefore, it's not necessarily incorrect to feel, to actually have your body acting chayrus-like when what the words you're saying are non-chayrus-like. Now, I have to mention one other thing here, that when you drink the cup, you actually drink the cup after you say Kiddush, which is obviously a very uplifting moment. You say, God chose us from all people, and God elevated us, he gave us this incredible language. Uh, so even though it's true, the cup is what you drink before you do all the Seder stuff. But the the drinking of the cup actually happens after a very uplifting moment, which is the saying of the Kiddush. So the Kiddush is really, um, it's true that right after that, you are within a couple of minutes or so, you'll be talking about slavery. But the Kiddush itself is a very high moment. And similarly, at the end of the, right before when you drink the second cup, you also say, God redeemed us. So it isn't, again, remember, the, the, it's true, the aura around you has been about, you have been speaking about slavery, but the moments that you actually put the drink into your mouth, it was right on the heels of saying something extremely strong and positive and, and actually aligning with it. So it's not like you're, you're drinking the wine right after you said, 
the slavery, this was the worst slavery that we've ever had, and it was so terrible. Um, says that the audio connection, okay, now we're back. So, again, it, 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 there's, I want to mention two things. First of all, again, like I just said, the words you're saying are not a contradiction. And even the words that you're going to say right after that. Okay, I see there's a, a note. Let's see. Um, okay. But now I'm back, right? Yeah, okay, now I'm back. All right. Okay, so, um, so as I said, it, 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 you know, nothing is perfect. Uh, go to meeting casts are also not perfect. Zoom casts are not perfect. Uh, and, 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 and audio, and again, bandwidth is not perfect. So just have to understand and bear with us. Uh, okay, so that's really why it isn't so strange that the first two cups are, are, should be the cups. Let's take a look again on the line that we were at. And again, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20 22, um, 23, 24. Now line 25. Trey Kasi Basroy. Remember I said what Kasi is. Kasi is a cup. Trey is two. Trey is the word for two. I know my students always had a problem with this when I was teaching high school because in basketball, a tray is a three-pointer. I think so, right? A tray is a three-point shot. So tray is, don't think three, don't think of a three-point shot, think of two. Tray is two. Tray kasi basroi, the two later cups, lo bo'u haseba. Lo means they don't. Bo'u. Bo'u. This word bo'u means need. Ba'u means to need. They do not need. That's what an Aramaic word. You can underline that. And you can put it into your line-by-line chart. The word ba'u means to need. Lo ba'u, it does not need. Haseba. Why doesn't it need the body language? Why doesn't it need the the, the bed and the sofa all around you? My da have have. Okay. Let's translate those three words. My is always what? doesn't mean mine. My. What? What is it? My. It's sort of like the word ma in Hebrew. My. What? Dahave have. Hava is the word for present or the word that happened. My dahave. What has happened? Hava has happened. So basically what this argument is saying is that once you reach the Shulchan Aruch, once you reach the meal and then later the benching and the latter part of the Seder, the experiential part is finished. The experiential part of going through the Haggadah and and needing the body to align with what you're doing, that's already really finished already. Um, I guess the, the story's over, but you can definitely enjoy the benefits of the story. My dahave have. What's happened has happened already, and uh, it isn't as crucial for your physical body to to, to amend itself to the to the events. That's not to downplay what you're doing. You're supposed to have a lot of kavanah and benching, and you're supposed to think about the halal. But in terms of the 
dynamism of the story of of going from slavery uh, to freedom, from being an Oved Avodah to recognizing God at our Sinai. Um, that part, that energy and excitement, according to this way of looking things, is past. Enjoy yourself now, and and go into. It's almost like Olam Abba, which is more and more rising in spirituality. My Dahavi Havi. But the events of, of, of process have stopped. That is the first way of looking at things. Okay. Um, the, now we get to the opposite way. <laughs> and this is what I, I mentioned two days ago. The Amrila, and they, and they said, there was a, 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 one argument that was made by a group, Lahai Gisa, the other way, on the other side of looking at things, that maybe what Nachman meant, and here's again that key word that I mentioned two days ago, and you can underline it, Adaraba. Adaraba, which is, of course, means it's the opposite. I used my finger the other day, that's what it means, Adaraba. In Yiddish, we would say, maybe you can say the opposite. You know, they tell over a story that um, there was a, a very good-looking, handsome, <laughs> good-looking and handsome, I guess, is a, uh, those two things are redundant. But there was a good-looking, handsome fellow that everyone thought, because of his looks and because of his demeanor, was a top scholar among his friends in the, in the yeshiva. And therefore, many parents wanted to uh, jump in and use and get this guy to marry their daughter. Of course, even though he was good looking and knew how to walk well, he didn't really know how to study. He really didn't know how to learn. But he had a friend who wasn't as good looking as him, but was very good in learning. And he said, look, I'm about to meet this the girl's father. You know, I like the girl a lot. I'm about to meet the father. The father wants to test me. He thinks I know. He thinks I know about studying. What should I do? So, the his friend told him, "Well, when you meet the father-in-law, whatever the father the father-in-law is going to probably ask you a question. So, what you should say is, in Yiddish, it doesn't. It's in Yiddish. I'll translate in English. Maybe you should say the opposite. In other words, In other words." Let him start and let him say, I have this theory in Torah. And then, you know, scratch your beard a little bit and say, maybe you can say the opposite. And then let him do the thinking. And then you'll see he'll do most of the thinking. And everything you say, keep on, keep on saying that. That's sort of like the way to sort of think like a Jew, so to speak. And that's, again, what this word is. Adaraba. Maybe it's the opposite way of looking at things. Adaraba. Maybe when we're looking about on this continuum of the cups, Trey, Kasi, Basroi, the two later cups, those are the ones where the body language is crucial and you have to drink the cups in such a way. Bo Haseba. They need. Bo'u is the word for need. Haseba is the body in that position with as, as, as much of aristocratic accoutrements around you. Why? And if you see where the cursor is here, hachi shaita. It's at this moment, hachi, it's this shaita moment, dika havye, that's when it's happening, cherus. 
that's when you're actually living Chayrus. You're not, in other words, so let's talk about what that means. The process is over, but the benefits of being an aristocrat are now. The process was what you did earlier in the evening. Now you're actually living the life of Riley. You're living the life of Chayrus. You're, you are an aristocrat. Now it's happening. So that's why, and this is what Henoch said uh, a couple of days ago, and you might remember this is what Henoch said a couple of days ago. This is the moment where uh, the Chayrus should be. the Kahavi It's happening now. However, Trey Kasi Kama, the first tray is two. Kasi, the cup. Kamoi, the first. Lo boy Haseba. Lo, they do not need Haseba. Why? Because I don't care about the Kiddush that you said. What about the main text that you've been saying? The main text that's sandwiched in between the Kiddush and the second cup. That main text is something else. And here's the Gemara mentioning it. And here's a key Gemara word as well. We've had Itamar. We've had Hashata. We've had Bo'u. Those are words that are key Gemara terms. Here's another one. De'ikate. De'ikate. You can see I'm going over it with the cursor. De'ikate. From, if, from, if line 16 is where we started, it's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. It's the end of line 28 on page 1. Deikate. Sounds like, again, somebody, you know, but, uh, you know, maybe he's making sushi. Ikate. Deikate. That still. Right? Deikate. That still. That's what it means. That still. Dalit is always that. Ikate, still. I don't care that, that at the end of the story you, you reach this resounding heights. What are you doing in the middle of the story? Av, next line, 29. Avodim hayinu ko'amar. You are saying, ko'amar means you are saying, avodim hayinu. You are saying avodim hayinu. It's the story of slavery. I know it ends with re- redemption. There are a lot of stuff about slavery, a lot of stuff about lachats, a lot of stuff about dachak, a lot of stuff about how they pushed us around, a lot of stuff about how we were uh, persecuted and the work we had to do, right? So you are still talking about that. And therefore, you're not reaping the benefit yet. You are still in the story. I know the story ends, but you're, you're, you you have tears from the story, uh, right? It's interesting, the um, the Rambam writes... Uh, in, in, in his uh, Mishnah Torah, the Rambam says that when you tell the story of Pesach, you should actually point, he says, when you are explaining to your children what it means to be a slave, and it's hard, of course, what does it mean to be a slave? You know, we have this idea of the antebellum south about what slavery means, because uh, we're Americans. That's what we think about what it means to be a slave. I don't know if that's what it meant to be a slave in Mitzrayim. I'm not sure if it was that severe, or maybe it was more severe. But the Rambam says that when you are at your table, the Rambam says if you happen to have someone, again, this is very politically incorrect, but if you happen to have someone who's working for you as a slave, point to him and say, this is what we were like. 
we were all like, you know, Rufus was, we were all like this guy who we know is working for us <laughs> as a slave. Okay. We have to sort of like, you point to the Ram says, because probably people throughout the generations, Jews had slaves. So did everyone. People had people, now again, they weren't slaves in the way that in the antebellum South that they had whip marks on their back and, 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 and we, we took their children away, but people had slaves. And therefore, the Rambam understood that it's important to point to something physical. My Rebbe, Rabbi Yochanan Zweig, said, he thinks this is why, from this Rambam, the Haggadah is the one book that has pictures in it, right? It's the Jewish book with pictures. Like, from the earliest time, even even some of the most celebrated Haggadot, which had very important commentary, they made sure to put pictures there. Now, part of it is because you need a picture to, to, to see what we're talking about. So, therefore, it's, it's during the story, you're supposed to see and imagine and feel the idea of what a slave is. You should see a picture of a slave. I know most of the Haggadahs, they, they have pictures of the ten plagues and the pictures of the four sons. But there should also be pictures of what it meant to be in slavery. That has to be, you have to physically imagine that. That has to be something that's in your mind. And therefore, this way of arguing said, that's not a place that the cups that you're drinking, sandwiching that story, you need to be languoring back or leaning back and being in such a a, a state. So that is the other argument, the counter argument. And they're both, they both sound good, right? They both sound good. I don't know which one is better. So that's why the Gemara didn't know either. And that's when we go to the next line. What the Gemara says, again, here's the key word, dahashta. Now, now at this moment of argument, now that we've heard both sides of the story, and each one sounds good, hashta itamar that it was discussed in the base Medrash, Pachi, this way. And now we have the next line. And you now discussed the other way. Okay, each way is solid. Nachman definitely did not say that. We are assuming Nachman said two was one way, two was the other way. But we don't know what Nachman meant. And we can't decide. They both sound good. A lot of times you say, tell me an answer. Well, over here, we like both sides, and we think both sides are strong intellectually. Both sides make a good point. So you know what we're going to do? What we're going to say is we're going to adopt that mental attitude during the Seder. We're going to adopt the mental attitude of the first two cups, that we're part of this experience story, and Chairis is on the way. We know what's happening. And we're going to lean the first two cups. And now, when we get to the the, the benching, and the next cup, we're going to adopt the other way. And we're going to think about it the other way and say, we're experiencing arist- aristocratic involvement and, 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 and feeling as if we're on cloud nine now. And we're going to go the other way. So therefore, ide v ide, both of them, ide v ide. I mentioned Idi Amin the other day. That shows how old I am. So ide v ide. This and this, ide, these and these, both, all four. Ba'u, they need haseba. Okay? 
So that is the lines from line 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. From 16 to 30, we have, we have that first, what we call the first part of the sugya. A sugya is the Talmudic discussion. The first part of the sugya is basically over. What is, what was the topic? What do you, what do you do about Haseba when it comes to drinking wine? And here you have a, a very typical Talmudic response. We could go this way, go the other way. We can't decide. Let's do it for all four. It probably doesn't make much, because anyway, right? It's a, it is a rabbinical law. Let's adopt our mind. Let's have both mindsets in our mind. Practically, what do you do if you forget? That would be a good question, right? If you forgot, this is what we talked about yesterday from the toast vote. I'm not ready to discuss that today. We'll discuss at a different time what you should do practically. The best way is to lean for all four cups. It seems that if you don't lean, you could always say, I'm like the other guy. But let's say you don't lean for any of the four cups. That You could also make that argument, right? So um, practically, of course, the best thing is to lean for all four cups, to be in such a position. Um, practically, if, if, if you don't do it, we'll talk about that at a different time in halacha. We'll look at the halachic source for that. But that's what this Gemara brings up, that question. Now, what's, what will happen if you don't? I mentioned the Tosfus the other day. Tosfus is not sure. He says, I'm not sure what to do in that case. And we'll leave it for that for now. Okay, so at this point, uh, we have done the first uh, part of the sugya. Um, if you want, again, you let me know through the chat if you want to go back to line by line. Uh, I, I, I'm willing to do that. I, I do want to make a, I, I do think though, as a teacher, I think it's worthwhile for you not to be scared of this baby. The, the line by line, uh, chart is a helper. It's a crutch. Obviously what you want to do is to be able to swim in the pool and swimming in the pool means not being scared of this page and not being scared of what it looks like. So, uh, let's now start. I'm going to check the chat to see if you're all with me on this. Okay, fine. Seems like you are. Okay, so let's take a look now, if you don't mind, on the next word. Here is the word at the end of the line. And uh, I think it's line 34, right? I think so. Um, Parkadon, right? Parkadon. Okay, Parkadon. What is a Parkadon? Well, a parkadon uh, is a term that comes, it's not a f- familiar term, but I, I have seen it a number of times. A parkadon is someone who's lying flat on his back. That is a parkadon. The, the Gemara in Brachot talks about not sleeping that way. Because especially if there's other people in the room and people are watching you, you don't look so good. Um, so... Don't sleep that way. Sleep on the side. A parkadon is someone uh, who's lying with his face upward. Well, maybe he's got a little pillow on his head and he's drinking. 
That's a guy who's enjoying himself. Is that called Haseba? That's the question. Let's see what the Gemara says. Parkadan lo shmei Haseba. That's not called Haseba. Now, we could think about why it isn't. Um, <laughs> one way you could say is because that looks like a bum. <laughs> you know, the, you're supposed to be leaning. You're not supposed to actually have your head up. You, your head should be to the side. Okay, that could be. Uh, another way to look at it is because it's sort of like gaudy. It's sort of like you're staring. In other words, you have to still realize God is in the room. You know, you, you know. So in a way, it's sort of like too much. So one way is it's 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 gauche. It's that's not the way uh, uh, an aristocrat would sit. The other way is it's actually you know it's you know what do you think you're doing? You know, you're not in club med. You don't think like you're just getting rays from the sun. So a parkadon is not considered a say, but that's too much. All right. Um, a place to look if you what would I do to uh to try to help me on this? Well, I might look in I might look at um Rash at the Rashi or the Rash Bam. They don't really explain why. Um but I think the reason I think we can make this logical assumption that it's either too much, it's too gaudy, um, it really doesn't it's 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 not aristocratic. It's not an aristocratic way to, to have your body. Okay. Parkadon. What about the next thing? Hasebat Yamin. What about most people are right-handed? How about a person who is leaning over to his right? So if he's leaning over to his right, so his left hand is going to be the one that's going to put food in his mouth, right? The left hand is the one that he's chewing, putting the food and now chewing. So the Gemara says, Hasebat Yemin, even though it isn't gaudy and gauche, lo shmei Haseba. That is also not the right way for it to be done. Um, now, what's the reason for that? And there Rashi and the Rashbam explain because you need to eat with your right hand. Aren't you a right-handed person? If your right hand is being crushed by the weight of your body, it's 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 uncomfortable to use your left hand. You might, you know, people, the left was, people weren't so comfortable using their left hand. And because of that, we don't want you to be uncomfortable. So that's the reason why that is not good. Now, obviously, based on this, uh, a lefty would be different. A person who's a left-handed person would be able to lean, uh, would be able to lean uh, to the right, because then he would be able uh, to use his left hand. But since we use our le- our right hand, it makes sense to lean to the left. So this way you can use your right hand. So let's see those words inside. Hasebat yimin lo haseba. It doesn't have a name of haseba. It doesn't retain the name, as far as we're concerned, of leaning or having that lingoriously uh, way of your body being. All right? Hasebat yamin lo shmei haseba. Okay? Now, here is, uh, uh, now we add another term, which comes up in the Talmud a lot. Vilo od. 
Vilo owed. Not only this, this word's missing here, Vilo, and not only this, owed. I have another reason. Lo owed means don't think it's over. Owed. I've got another reason why you shouldn't do it that way. First of all, it that's not in a way an aristocrat. An aristocrat would not put himself in a fumbling, difficult situation. Lo owed. Ella, there's another reason why you shouldn't do it that way. And what's that? So now we're going to introduce uh, an important principle in Jewish law. And that is, as important as doing things halachically right is, it's extremely important not to endanger yourself in any way. Your mitzvot are supposed to be not necessarily super easy to do, but they should not in any way generate a, a, a health issue. And here's an example. If you are a person who is leaning on uh, your right, when the food gets into your system, the Talmud is worried that it, it's not going to go into your esophagus it's possible that the food is going to actually go into your windpipe instead. It's going to go down the wrong pipe. And that could happen. Let's see the words inside. Ella, Shema, maybe. Shema is a Kigamara word. Shema. I don't know what you can use as a memory device. I try as a teacher to give memory devices for people, but the memory device for keywords, you can either write them down in in your chart, and after you write them down, use a memory device to remember it. My daughter does that. I do it all the time. Shema. I don't know how you can think about it, but Shema means maybe. Shema means it's possible. It's not a definite, but it's possible. Okay? Shema, maybe, what? Yakdim, kana leveshet. Now, the kana, the word yakdim means it might come first. Like we saw the word, well, we didn't have any word like that. We had the word kamoi, which is first. In Hebrew, the word for first is kodim. And it actually comes from the word for for the east. The The term kedem, you know, everybody knows Kedem wine. The reason why it's called Kedem wine, because it's supposed to conjure up the East. The East for us is Israel, right? <laughs> That's why I guess they have a, you know, you, you get this sense of Kedem, right? We say, but the word Kedem is the East. That's what, right? Kedma is East. The reason why it's called East is because the sun rises from the East, and that's the beginning of a person's day. So the word kedem and kodem means the beginning, the beginning, quick, when the thing is starting. Lakdim means to get there early, to be there, to start early, to begin something. So that is the word kedem, or right now. So the word yakdim means it might get there first. What might get there first? What might happen first? The kana, the Kana is a reed, but that's the, the Talmud's way of speaking about the uh, the windpipe, uh, the trachea. The trachea is called a kana, because if you ever open up an animal, that's what it looks like. 
it looks like a hollow reed. That's what the trachea looks like. So that was the term for it, kana, the reed. <laughs> but it really means the trachea, or also known as the pipe or the windpipe. So maybe the reed will be will 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 be first. The reed will be first in terms of getting the food in inside it. <laughs> to what? To the next word, which is la towards vishet. Double vav la vishet la vishet. Do the vishet. Veshet is the esophagus. I don't know why that's the term for it. I'm not sure. I know why, again, I'm not sure what the word veshet means. But veshet is an esophagus. So what we're worried about is that the, 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 the windpipe will get the food first. Because the way you're leaning, and again, I've spoken to doctors about this when I've studied this piece with people who know the medical and know biology. And they said there is something to this about, uh, about food going in the wrong pipe. And it is possible that when you're sticking the food in, there is, in a way, the windpipe sticks over is, is a little bit higher than, uh, the, uh, the, uh, than the esophagus, especially when you're leaning in that direction. So when you're leaning that direction, the esophag- the windpipe seems to be higher and seems to be able to grab the food. And, and that, of course, is something that's dangerous. Because if you can choke, it's not meant, food isn't meant to go down there. And that is interfering with the airwaves, the, the, the air pocket that's allowing you to breathe. Many of us cough and everything. Right? This is a very important issue. And let's see the words inside, v'yavo, and the next line, v'yavo lidei sakana. And you will come, from the word bo, lidei, into the hands of, the word yidei, into the hands of sakana. Sakana is the word for danger. So once again, this would mean even maybe, and again, if this is true, even if someone is a, uh, a lefty, who's used to putting food into his mouth with his left hand, perhaps he should not lean on his right. And he should take the uncomfortable position of putting food in with his left hand, uh, with his right hand, although he's not used to using it, because leaning in such a way is dangerous, putting food into your mouth. And again, this is a crucial halacha. Don't do anything that endangers you. Don't do anything that might lead to danger. And that's the reason why don't lean in, in any way, lean in the most, in the safest possible way. And this, of course, should mean if somebody does have a choking issue or choking problem, he shouldn't even try to attempt this. I, I, I know my sister, Allah Shalom, um, who I'm also remembering today, although it's my father's year, it's my sister, Allah Shalom, was a, a development disabled woman and she had choking issues and she needed to sit up straight and the people who were attending her. So obviously if you have any, any choking issues whatsoever, uh, clearly do not even attempt to lean or do anything like that. Sakana is, 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 is so important. Uh, we're talking about why we're not even being with each other for Sakana. Definitely don't want the mitzvah to in any way uh, create any sort of danger. Okay, so let's uh, do one more thing. Uh, 
We've got a couple more minutes. Let's do one more thing. Uh, Isha, the next word, Isha, Eitzel, Baila. What about a wife with her husband? That's probably, if you are married and your wife is with you, that's probably going to be, there's probably people having a Seder, only their wife and husband this year. I know for us, it's my wife and myself and my daughter. When it's you and your wife or your wife and everybody else, should a woman uh, be leaning and uh, assuming the position, the uh, position of an aristocrat? She's part of the Seder. He needs to drink the four cups. She needs to eat the matzah. Women are, are, are responsible to do all the mitzvos of the night. They're supposed to eat matzah. They're supposed to eat maror. They're supposed to seemingly, if leaning or having this physical attitude is crucial, what about a wife? Now, why should there even be a question? Well, the reason is, is because at the time of the Mishnah and the Talmud, women <laughs> were in a much more subservient position than they are today. We know this. Women worked for the family in a very domestic way. The And, and women were not as literate. And women depended very much on men, and men were what we would call much more dictatorial. And there was almost, and in many relationships, and the Talmud doesn't frown on that, there was a, a very large age gap between the men and the women. The women would get married uh, at a much younger age, and at many times were much younger than their husbands. And therefore, because of society and because of the physical dynamic, they didn't necessarily feel comfortable assuming even for one night and even for this play acting for this night to feel this way. And that was the question the Talmud has. If a woman feels like she just can't do it, she can't appear in front of her husband like an equal aristocrat. She's used to coming in and serving him and standing over him and sort of being, if not a slave, but being secondary to her husband. Now, it's true, if she'd be having a Seder in the, in the kitchen, which is not uh, what should be happening, but if, let's say it's a Seder of only women, she's not going to feel that way. But what about while she's in the august presence of her husband? That is a very anachronistic statement. But I am not uh, someone to powder puff and whitewash what the statement is. The statement reflected its time. And in its time, the, the, the Talmud is going to tell us that Isha, Eitzelbaila, lo boy haseba. She doesn't need it, and especially if she feels uncomfortable, she shouldn't even try to do it. And we're going to basically say she doesn't, she can get away without it. However, I don't want to end on this note. If we continue in the Talmud, 
ואם אישה חשובה היא, if she is an aristocrat on her own right, maybe the husband's claim to fame is he married her. And even that was, we did have exceptional women, women who, because of their education, their bearing, their wealth, maybe the way their parents treated them, walked around and acted differently. So we're not saying their relationship is, 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 is wrong. It's, it's probably the minority of that time. If a woman is a chashuva, an important woman, chashuv, If a woman is a woman who, who, who has an important bearing in general in the relationship, then Sricha Haseba. Then she does need, because the husband and wife dynamic there lends itself for both of them to act like aristocratic uh, royal personages. Okay? Um, Now, um, so this, again, is, gives us a reason to say, in today's time, everyone is like that, right? In today's time, perhaps, times have changed, and all women are Isha Chashuvot. And there are uh, Rishonim, medieval commentators, who say that the Talmud's way of looking at the relationship between men and women has undergone a change. And that was 800 years ago they wrote that. And if they wrote that 800 years ago, that all, that all women today are women who are of an aristocratic bearing, despite whatever money they have, but the relationship between man and woman is not what it was, then that should definitely apply in our modern days. So it's an interesting little note. And I think it's one of the things that you need to be honest about. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But it shouldn't cause you to, to hate the Talmud either. The Talmud was written in its time, and it, was, it accurately was probably correct at the time that women had a much more subservient way of, of, of being with their, with, with, their, um, with their husbands. And this little bit of play acting that's demanded, she's actually going to feel weird. And, and, and she's going to feel unnatural. And, and she's not even going to be able to be comfortable playing that part. And because of that, the Talmud was actually letting her off the hook. Because nothing's more uncomfortable than doing something that you feel is totally unnatural to who you are. You know, people say when you put on a mask, it allows the inner self to come out, the part that you really want to be, right? People dress up on Purim of things they really want to be like. They're afraid to do it the rest of the year. But for in those in the Talmud's time, for a woman to act as if she was her hey, husband, if, if a woman would act like her husband's equal, that was something that was unnatural. That she should be completely her husband's equal in terms of the dynamic in the family, that was something that was strange and was was not it was not usual. And we don't want to make people put on a mask. and act in a way that isn't at all their usual self. Part of being at the Seder is a sense of being comfortable and happy. And I think that's really the way you have to look at it. Okay? All right. So I think that's it for today. Rabbi. Yes. Rabbi. Yes. It's Hanukkah. I wanted to just say that as far as the standing with the wine, 
couldn't you say that the two first cups, the majority of the time we're talking about Abdus, and the minority of the time we're talking about Cheres, while at the end, the majority of the time we're talking about Cheres, and the minority of the time we're talking about Abdus. Okay, so so Henoch, um, you're, you are wondering why the, I guess Henoch is asking why the Talmud couldn't resolve this question. Why did the Talmud say, you're right and you're right, let's just lean all the time. Why couldn't the Talmud think about it and, 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 and devise the same answer Henoch just said, which is, okay, and, and therefore lean only for the last two cups and not the first two cups. That, that's essentially your question. Um, well, I, I, would, I would say it's an explanation of why we hold that all, all four cups should, uh, should be leaning. Because it's it's not yes or it's not black and white it's 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 a gray area and there's a gray area in the first part of the seder and the second part of the seder it's just what the emphasis is so according to how they resolved Gamar I think it's fine it's just the emphasis of the two op- opinions one is more on Abdus and the other is more on Cheres but there's a portion of of the other side in each of the uh, of the opinions. Okay, I, I would say it just a little bit differently than what you're saying. I would say that it's actually a um, a fundamental <laughs> disagreement about is it about the experience? In other words, the it, the the sense of chayrus comes through experiencing the the uh, the low becoming high or does cheirus is cheirus a a byproduct of once the experience is over how you relish it and absorb it right right about it. right that's really a debate as to what what where cheirus lies where the body um the body Showing Cheres, which is really, I am, I, I want to be a living embodiment of Cheres. Where does that happen? Through the experience or through the reaping the benefits of afterwards? So that's right, really, right, and, and right, those, those right. ways of looking at it are really opposites about when, when is the time, the essence of Cheres, while it's experiencing right, happening right. or while right. you're actually processing uh, what that experience uh, means. Right, so, and right. Th- therefore, the Talmud felt they were both had a, a, a proper approach and therefore the Talmud couldn't resolve it. Okay, we'll take this up here tomorrow. I don't see any comments on the chat. You'll let me know. Try off. Okay, we'll, we'll take this up from this point tomorrow. Thank, thank you, Rabbi Yashikeyach. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 